everybody. How are you doing today? It is good to see you. Hey, there's like a hundred people with birthdays in our church. Um, and Blake Corell, I don't know wherever you are, but his birthday is literally today. So happy birthday, Blake. Allie's is this week. I think Joey, wherever you are, had a birthday yesterday. We've got, yeah, we got like so many birthdays in the church. So congratulations to all your parents for having you. You're amazing. I always, every time my birthday comes around, I always am like, why are we celebrating me? We should be celebrating my mom. You know what I mean? So happy birthday to me, mom, right? That kind of thing, right? So, um, hey, last week I was so embarrassed because I was like celebrating all these new team members and I, and I congratulated Sean and Ellie for joining the worship team and quickly learned that their names are Shane and Ale. okay? So... So my bad, Shane. Ele, wherever you are, I'm so sorry. You're amazing, and I'm glad that you're on the team. We have so many new people joining the team. I'm so pumped. People on camera, people in hosts and parking and hospitality and all kinds of kids' ministry. Come on, I got to just say this about anyone who serves in kids' ministry. Um, Jesus, Jesus uh, when, when they try to keep the kids away from Jesus, he's like, no, let them come to me, right? And he says, if you're not like this, if you're, if, you don't, if you're not like a little kid, then you have no business in the kingdom of God, right? And so I just think about kids ministry and everyone who serves back there, and you get, to, you get to catch that childlike spirit. And so just a huge thank you to everyone serving, whatever team you're on. Come on, let's give one, one hand real quick. All right, you may have noticed that your elbows are getting a little tighter here at LifeCo. You may have noticed that you're having more trouble finding a parking spot here at LifeCo. And that is because we're coming up on a time where we need to, we need to start thinking about adding a third service. And so I'm so pumped about that. Now, our old service times, we're not going to go back to those because I don't want to do an 8 a.m. service ever again. <laughs> In Jesus' name. 8.30 is a little better. But 8 o'clock, no, we'll not do that. So we've got different service times, and what we need to do is we need to figure out, you, your family, what service time would you attend if it was this times, these times, these times, because the worst thing possible would be for us to change our service times and then everyone show up to the same service. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so I'm going to put a survey up on the screen, one person per household, okay, so if you're married, just one of you do it. If you're not married, God bless you. You're going to be married one day, but today you're on your own. You got to fill this out. <laughs> fill this out and let me know if, you know, it's got a couple questions. Are you married? How old are you? Do you have kids? All that stuff. And then it asks, if these were the service times, what would you attend? If these were the service times, what would you attend? And on and on and on. And that's going to help us to understand how we can move the service times to make the best spread so that there's no more parking issues. Listen, let me just say this. Parking is always going to be a problem at our church. Seating is always going to be a problem at our church because God's going to keep bringing new people. So we're going to add a third service and it's going to temporarily make everything better and then that's going to be crazy because that's what happens, right? So, so anyways, fill this out and we would love to uh, figure out how we're going to move the third service times around. Also, did you like how I thanked people serving on the team before I said this? Because as soon as they say third service, all the team people are like, oh. But guess what? If you're not on a team, you get to serve when we add one of these third services. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. All right. Today, we are in a series called My People. 
And today I wanna talk to you a message called My People Know My Voice. My People Know My Voice. There's several moments in film history that if you see the still image of it, immediately you can kind of hear what was going on when you see the image. Like this one right here. When you see this image, what's the line that you hear? Come on, just shout it out at me. Oh, you guys are quiet. Shout it at me. I am your father. And then you hear, and then you hear Luke, no, like a little whiny baby, right? All right, let's see who can get this one. When you see this, what do you hear? There's no place like home. Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. Like you hear it, right? Okay, go to another one. Here's another one. What do you hear when you see this? I'll be back. Okay, what do you, what do you hear when you see this one? This next one. Boom. Sorry, that's a pretty big spoiler, but it's been a while since this movie came out. All right, uh, this is an old one, this next one. What do you hear when you see this? Here's looking at you, kid. Come on, good job, that's great. Also, we'll always have Paris, right? This is Casablanca. My high school teacher, uh, my, uh, my uh, history teacher in high school made us watch this as like a final project, and he gave us a test on the quotes from this movie like as part of our grade, which was pretty awesome because we got all of them wrong and then he told us all the answers so that we would all get 100. But here's looking at you, kid. Here's the thing about movies. Would you ever watch a movie with no sound? Would you ever watch a movie with no dialogue? Would you ever watch a movie that literally just the whole time, unless it was designed to communicate something with no sound, Watching a movie with the sound off is miserable. Like, what is going on? What is happening here? The dialogue makes the film a lot of times. Am I right? What if, what if you, uh, how many people here, you're the, like, turn the TV up person? Wave at me. And then how many here are the just turn on the captions? Subtitles, subtitles, subtitles. My wife is a subtitle person. And I'm like, just turn it up. She's like, the kids are asleep. I'm like, turn it up but she's reading every word. She doesn't want to miss the dialogue. I'm okay if I miss a word here or there. She's like, no, I want to get everything that's going on. If we mix up the dialogue in a film, let's take these two films right here, okay? And in this first one, here's looking at you, kid, and this next one, no, I am your father. It dramatically changes the meaning of the film. The dialogue makes... The film, am I right? Have you ever seen one of those clips where they take a movie and they change the music and it completely changes the meaning of what's going on? Yes, so the music, the audio, the sound matters. Now here's what I wanna talk to you about today. I think too many of us in our Christianity are doing Christianity with the sound turned off. We are doing Christian life, doing Christian things, living life as a Christian, without any dialogue between us and Jesus. We're living our life with, we're watching the film of our life with the sound turned off and then we don't know why we're confused about what we're supposed to do next. What's the will of God? I don't know what the will of God is. Well, when was the last time you turned the sound on? You know, you see what I'm saying? Christianity was not ever meant to be lived with the sound turned off. You gotta have the captions on. You gotta have the sound on. 
I want to talk this message today to three people. The first group is the person who thinks that they can't hear God. The second group is the person who thinks, okay, I think I can hear God, but I don't know if it's for sure God or not. How do I know that it's the voice of God? And the third person is someone here who you, you're hearing from God, but you, you're having trouble listening. You're having trouble obeying, right? Like my four-year-old. You know, she can hear me. I know she can hear me, but she's just not moving. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm gonna talk to those three people here today. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Speak to us today. Let us hear in Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 10 says this. John chapter 10, I know we were just in the book of John. We did a book of John series, but we're going back, okay? Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door by the, uh, by the sheepfold, sorry, by the, is the shepherd of the sheep. Struggling there. Uh, to him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Three things right here. The sheep hear his voice. The sheep follow his voice. The sheep know his voice, okay? A stranger they will not, not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. He's talking to the religious leaders, and they're like, what are you saying here? It's pretty actually simple. The sheep hear his voice, they know his voice, and they follow. Now, I... I Last service, there was none. Maybe this service, there will be one. Is there anyone here in this service who, for your occupation, your full-time job, you are a shepherd? Are you really? Okay, okay, okay. She's like, well, not literally, but I teach. Yes, that's, yes. I mean literally, like, literal sheep. Fluffy have you ever seen a sheep before? Like a real one? I don't know that I've ever been that close, except for at a petting zoo, right? In Jesus' day, shepherding was the most common occupation. And it was the earliest occupation. In fact, the earliest recorded occupation, Abel, if you know Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve, Abel was a shepherd. He tended to the flock. It was the most common occupation. In America today, I think, you know, you, you could say maybe um, truck driver, teacher, store uh, clerk, you know, whatever it may be, these are the common things of our day. In this day, if you made a living, you were likely a shepherd. What did a shepherd do? They had several responsibilities. One of them was to make sure that the sheep had food and water. What did they eat? They eat green pastures. So what would he do? He would go out and he would scout and he would find pastures, green pastures and water. And then he would go in the morning to where the sheep were sleeping in their pen. He would open the gate and he would call them out by name and they would follow the leading of the shepherd and go out to the green pastures, the still waters where they would eat and drink. Well, there's another thing the shepherd did. He would protect the sheep. While they were out grazing, they weren't in their pen anymore. They weren't protected anymore. While they were out grazing, animals might come along that would attack 
Animals might come along that would try to eat some of the sheep. The sheep would wander. You know, we're so much like sheep, right? Just stupid animals sometimes. And we just wander and, and whatever. And the shepherd would pull them back, bring them back, protect them. The shepherd had a rod and a staff, and that was used to defend uh, and fight off animals so that they wouldn't hurt the sheep. It was also used when the sheep would go astray to kind of pull them back and nudge them back and lead them back. So the shepherd had a job to do, and his job was to care for the sheep. He had nicknames for all of the sheep. Because if you spend a lot of time with sheep, and that's all you do, what else are you going to do but give these sheep names? And so they, he would have, you know, this one, this one, he would name them based off of what they looked like or, or their personality or whatever. So this sheep is super fluffy, and so that one's fluffy. And this one has spots, and so that one's spots. And this one has a bum leg, so this one's gimpy, right? And then this one is... You know, they all have different names, and that's their names. And he would just say, okay, Fluffy, come on. Okay, come on, Spot, come on, whatever. And they would follow the leading of his voice. He had such a relationship with the sheep that he had a name for each of the sheep, but the sheep had such a relationship with the shepherd that they knew his voice. And wherever his voice was is where they would follow. Now, this is interesting. In John chapter 10, it says, he says, I am the door of the sheep. What is he even saying there? If ever a shepherd would take sheep out into green pastures and they couldn't make it back to the sheep pen because they needed to keep migrating, he might find a cave or make, make a temporary shelter or something like that and lead all of the sheep into it. And then if there was no gate, the shepherd would literally lay across the entrance of the cave or the sheepfold and he would act as the gate. Literally, he would lay there as the gate and keep all the bad stuff out and keep all the good stuff in. Now, have you ever heard the story where Jesus talks about there's a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and one of them goes missing and the shepherd leaves the 99 to go find the one? Have you ever heard that story before? I, when I used to hear that story, I used to think that is very, very stupid because if you leave 99 sheep to go find one, you're going to come back with that one, but there's only going to be 28 left. Because <laughs> in my mind, I'm thinking, that doesn't make any sense. Why would he leave the, the flock to go find the one? I mean, odds, wouldn't it be better to keep 99 sheep than to risk the 99 for the one? But what Jesus is explaining there is that a good shepherd, once he has all of his sheep back in his pen at the end of the night, he closes up and he sees, I have one missing. He's saying this shepherd literally will not rest, will not sleep, will not lay down until he has found that one that is missing. He's not saying he leaves the 99 wandering. He puts the 99 back safe and he goes after and finds the one that is missing. So in Jesus' day, when he talks about shepherd and sheep, this is a common language. This would be like if, you know, if, if you're in the service industry and Jesus starts telling a story about customers that come in and need to brush their teeth before they talk in the morning. I used to work in money and I used to work in um, at Wells Fargo and people would come in and I was like, the public did not brush their teeth this morning, right? <laughs> or people would come in and they would yell at you about their money. You, you shorted me and you'd count it out in front of them and they're like, oh, okay, my bad. And it was like, here we go again. Like there was common things that happened all the time. If you're a waiter or a waitress, I'm sure there's jokes people make to you that are like, oh, we got another one of those, right? 
Everyone in your occupation, you have things that like are familiar to you. When Jesus tells this story, this was the famous occupation. This was the occupation that everyone had. And Jesus is saying, I am the shepherd who is known by the sheep. They know my voice, they hear my voice, and they follow. Now there's another time in scripture where uh, the Lord God is, list, is called a shepherd. And that's because King David, before he was a king, he was a shepherd. And he wrote a song called, now we call it Psalm 23, but the song is called The Lord is My Shepherd. And he writes this song about God as our shepherd. He's out there watching sheep, and he sings this song. Actually, God, you are my shepherd. Here's what he writes. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That used to confuse me as a kid. I, I thought it was one sentence. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. As in, you don't want him as a shepherd. <laughs> it's not what it means. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd, I don't have, like literally, I lack for nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, I have no lack. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all I need. The Lord is my shepherd, my wants are met. Are you hearing me? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. What is he singing here? He's singing a song about, just like here I am taking care of these sheep, God is doing that for me. He is leading me to green pastures. He is leading me to still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Someone needs to hear this today. Even though I walk through the valley, I will fear no evil. The shepherd doesn't lead the sheep to the valley, he leads them through the valley. He's going through the valley to go to green pastures and still waters. That's not the final destination. If today you're in darkness, if you're in the valley of the shadow of death, if you feel like you're just, man, I'm in a bad place, I wanna let you know that your good shepherd is not leading you to that place, he's leading you through that place. You're hearing me. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In other words, this shepherd has weapons, and they are not used against me. They are used for me. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, the Bible says. They're, they're mighty for tearing down strongholds. In other words, our good shepherd is protecting us from evil. He's protecting us from attack. Are you hearing me? And then he says, the, your rider's staff, they come for me. You prepare a table before, uh, for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If it feels like halfway through, we're not talking about sheep anymore, but we're talking about people, it's because this is a, uh, a, a, a poem in Hebrew that the first half is the allegory and the second half is the explanation. So the first half, he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm provided for, I'm cared for. He leads me, he guides me. The second half is now he's talking about him as a human and he's saying, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now he's saying, just like a good shepherd leads his sheep, you are leading me to good, to true, to beautiful, to wonderful, to more than enough. 
In fact, I made a list here this morning just to encourage you. Pull out your phone and take a picture of this list. Because God is your shepherd, you have no lack. You have rest in green pastures. You have still waters. You have restoration for your soul. He leads you in paths of righteousness. You have no fear. You have protection and guidance. You have favor and blessing. You have more than enough. You have goodness and mercy, and you're in the house of the Lord. If God is your shepherd, you know he's leading me to all these things. Jesus wants to lead you into mercy, into goodness. He wants to lead you into more than enough. He wants to lead you into good things for your life. If I could say it this way, I need to be wherever the shepherd is. Wherever the shepherd is leading is where I need to be. I don't have any business being anywhere where the shepherd is not leading me. I have no business trying to go out and find green pastures on my own. I just need to be wherever the, sh the shepherd is. Wherever the shepherd is calling, wherever the shepherd is leading, wherever the shepherd is guiding, that's where the provision is. That's where the care is. That's where the goodness is. That's where I'm safe. If he's calling me this way and I go that way, I'm not safe. If he's calling me this way and I go that way, I'm not provided for. If he's calling me this way and I go that way, man, I do have fear because I'm out on my own. But if I'm going wherever he's leading, I can trust he is with me. In fact, in Joshua 1.9, he says, be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If I'm not with the shepherd, I'm terrified, I'm scared, I'm nervous. If I'm with the shepherd, I have all that I need. So I need to be wherever the shepherd is, I need to follow. The good shepherd leads, he leads me beside still waters, he leads me, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now how does he lead? Let's go back to John chapter 10. How does he lead? He says this, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. The shepherd does not go behind you and beat you to make you move forward. The shepherd does not come behind you and yell and scream at you and kick you and push you to make you move forward. The shepherd is out ahead of you, calling you by name waiting for you to come out and follow him. And then once you're out following him, he continues to walk ahead of you and talks to you. Listen to this. The shepherd continues to talk because it says they follow him because they know his voice. In other words, the shepherd doesn't just say, okay, Greg, come out and follow me. When Greg starts coming out and following, he continues to walk and continues to talk or else the sheep don't know who to follow. He says, they follow me because they know my voice. So Jesus leads with his voice. He leads by talking to us. He leads by speaking to us. He leads by, by his voice. Now, I, I remember growing up in, I grew up in charismaniac church, okay? I grew up in, I grew up in running around the building. I grew up in rolling around the floor. I grew up in... Uh, should have bought a Honda instead of bought a Nissan. <laughs> if you didn't catch that, I should have bought a Honda instead I bought a Nissan. 
I grew up in all that stuff, right? I, that's, that's how I was raised. And we would have Friday night prayer nights, and we'd be there for 13 hours, and we would, we would, be, we would be all that stuff. Now, then I got older, and I thought, man, I need to actually study Scripture. I need to actually learn Scripture. And then when you really start studying Scripture, you can find people, theologians, who say, God has said everything there is to say, and now he's done speaking. So there's theologians who believe, no, the charismaniacs are crazy, they're wrong, we're right. Once God finished writing his book, it's all done, there's no personal relationship. And I have to tell you, the older I get and the more I learn and the more I grow, I can say both of those are extreme. God doesn't talk to you personally in a vacuum without scripture. Like, it's not like you wake up in the morning and he's saying stuff to you that's like totally, un, like, how do I say this? It's not like every single time, you know, well, God just said this to me. Well, that's weird. The scripture doesn't say that. Or see what I'm saying? Well, you know, we're just really praying about this or that. Okay, that's cool. There's actually principles in the word of God where he's actually already answered that question. Okay, so there's that. But then on the other side, the same book that you say was written by the Holy Spirit, that when he was done writing it, it's not, you know, he's done now. That same book talks about a church in the book of Acts that was constantly being led by the Holy Spirit. And what do we see by that? We see, we see literally situations where they're, they're trying to figure out where they should go and where they should plant churches and what they should do. And what do they do? They stop and they pray and they say, I was going this way, but the Holy Spirit stopped me. I was going this way. Uh, Paul has a vision of what's gonna happen on a shipwreck that he has. And he goes, the Holy Spirit showed this to me, revealed this to me. So we have in scripture several times, not just with the apostles, with several people, we have in scripture a God who talks directly to his people. I cannot imagine for the life of me how, how the, the, the the book of Genesis begins with, and God said, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then when he makes Adam and Eve, he says to Adam, hey, you can eat of any tree, but just don't eat of this one. And then when he, when he is, when Adam and Eve have sinned, he's walking in the garden and he's calling out, where are you? We have a God who wants to communicate with his people. He wants to talk to his people. I can't imagine for the life of me why Jesus would come and die on the cross just to be like, okay, cool, your sins are forgiven. I'll see you guys on judgment day. Let's not talk until then. Let's just keep this quiet. That's not the God we serve. We serve a personal God. Not a private God where you have your own God and I have my own God, but a personal God Meaning he is like he has, he wants to talk to us. And so what do we have? We have in the book of Acts, a church that's being led by the Holy Spirit. So well, here's what I wanna tell you today. God wants to lead you and he wants to lead you by speaking to you. Now someone in this room today, I promise you, has a big decision ahead of you. You have a trouble that's going on in your life. You have, you have something that's going on in your life and you need God to speak. God, I need your guidance. I need your wisdom. 
I need, the book of James tells us, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. If you need wisdom, if you need to be led, if you need guidance, the promise we have from God is that if you ask him, he will lead you. He will guide you. He will speak to you. And so I want to talk to you briefly. I want to talk to you about the three things, hearing his voice, knowing his voice, and following his voice. Okay, number one, hearing his voice. The Bible says this. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Not my sheep, some of them hear, some of them don't. Not my sheep. He says, my sheep do hear. I want to encourage you this morning. You can hear the voice of God because you're a sheep. Because you're his sheep, you can hear his voice. Well, I don't know if I can hear his voice. No, let me tell you this again. You can hear his voice. Well, I've only been saved for three days. You can hear his voice. Well, I've been a Christian for 82 years, and I've never, you can hear his voice. Well, I've never heard it before. You can hear it. You can hear the leading of God. Now, just because you can hear doesn't mean you're listening. So the trouble is not with the hearing, the trouble is with the listening. What's the difference between hearing and listening? Hearing can be passively done. Listening takes active participation. God wants to talk to you, but what he needs from you is for you to actually get quiet enough to listen to him. There's several things in our life that can rob us from hearing God's voice. One of them looks like this, okay? <laughs> It's not that God's so mad. He's like, I hate TikTok, and I'm not talking to you because you're listening to TikTok. He's, listen, your own spouse you don't listen to because you're watching TikTok. Your spouse is laying in bed with you, trying to tell you about their day, and you're swiping through TikTok. You're not even listening to your wife because you're laughing at TikTok. Are you hearing me? It's not like she stops talking to you because, I mean, at some point she does. I mean, let's just be honest. She's like, you put that away. You put that phone away. Before, My point is this, that God wants to talk to us, but we fill every second of our day with content, 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 content. Oh, I'm a little bored. Oh, I'm a little, oh, it's too quiet. Ah, oh, it's too quiet. How many people in this, in this church, when you're home by yourself, you turn the TV on just because you need some noise? Come on, just wave at me. That's my wife. She's like, sometimes she'll come home. Yesterday she was at a birthday party. I laid the kids down. She comes home. It's dead quiet in the house. She's like, what is going on? And I'm like, oh, I'm just, I like it quiet. And she's like, you are the weirdest human being ever. Because, because we like noise. We like, we, it, it's almost uncomfortable to sit in silence. So we fill every second of our day with TikTok, with noise, with music. How many times are you in the car and you just... I have to have something turned on in the car or I have to make a phone call or I have to because you just have to fill every second of your day with content, 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 content. For me, you know what it is? I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't, I'm, I'm not on TikTok. You know what it is? I get obsessed with these YouTubers who talk about whether the stock market's gonna crash or not. That's what it is for me. And every day I'm listening to like this dude, it's gonna crash. No, it's not gonna crash. No, it's gonna crash. No, it's not going to crash. Save up your money because soon there's going to be an opportunity to buy. Oh, actually, never mind. The Fed just changed that. And I'm listening to him every day as if he knows something that I don't know. You know what happened to him? He woke up that morning and he read a newspaper from a guy who read an economist 
from a guy who studied some data point and they're all doing the same thing I'm doing. They're just chasing a person to tell them something. And that's what I do. I'm in the car and I'm listening and then, you know, Literally, my closest friends will tell you. I'm like, I think I'm going to buy real estate. No, I'm not going to buy real estate. I think I'm going to buy. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I don't have. You know, I'm like, I'm constantly like up and down and up. Why? Because I'm listening to some stupid guy's voice who doesn't know anything. In fact, if you watch a video from three days ago, it contradicts today. TikTok is even worse. Okay. Because on TikTok, not only, sometimes it's just funny stuff, sometimes, but there's all kinds of stuff on there now where it's like people believe it just because they saw it on the internet, right? And it's like, you heard some random person say that. They have no clue what they're talking about. You know, there's like TikTok theologians now who get on there and they're like saying all this stuff. And it's like, you literally have no clue what you're talking about. But what we do is we fill every second with TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. Maybe that's one reason why you're not hearing God's voice in your situation right now. You're so stressed out and you're trying to medicate your stress with TikTok, Instagram, TikTok, Instagram. Are you, are you hearing me? When really you need an answer. So you're avoiding an answer and medicating stress when really you need an answer. You need God to speak to you. I'm not anti-TikTok, I'm not anti-Instagram. I, I love them, I think they're great. I think we, are, we dumb ourselves down just by constant when we really need to hear God's voice. Here's another one that can rob us from actively listening to God. It's this, it's, it's overthinking, stress, worry. It's overthinking, stress, worry. Okay, I think I have it all figured out. The reason this happened is because this and then this and then this and then I mapped it all out and at the end of the day, you're not, you're not any closer to an answer. You're just crazy. <laughs> you are not any closer to understanding what you're going through. You are just psycho. Like you need to, like some, like this is, this is getting out of hand. And you know what this is? It's, it's, we live in a day and an age where information is so accessible you know, 100 years ago, you did not have the access to information. My four-year-old is smarter than a 30-year-old 100 years ago because she has Google in her hand and knows how to, hey, Siri, can you, are you hearing me? She's got all this information, but, it's, but information and wisdom are not the same thing, which is why James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. You and I can research and study things and give information. Only God can bring wisdom. And so, yeah, so one of the reasons we're not listening to God is because we're overthinking and we're trying to solve it on our own and try to figure it out on our own. Imagine this guy in this picture as a sheep for just a second. And imagine him being like, okay, three days ago I heard that there was green pastures over here and there was this and there was this and if we, and then the shepherd's like, come on, dude, come on, overthinker. And he's like, and he's like, okay, but, but hang on, I'm trying to figure this out. You know, and he's like trying to figure that that's what we do in our life. Okay, here's the third thing that can rob us. Busy, 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 busy. I'm just so busy. Oh my gosh, I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. America wears busy as a badge of honor. You know, I, I spent time in Europe as a kid. In Europe, they, go, they get up, they go to school, they go to work. In the middle of the day, they take like an hour to two hours to have lunch, everyone comes home. 
We have lunch with our family. We sit down, we talk, we talk about how things are going. And then everyone goes back to work for a couple hours. And then everyone comes back home. Closed stores, uh, closed stores. Stores close at like seven o'clock, eight o'clock. The pace of life is like, chill out, dude. But in America, we're 24-7. Walmart's open 24-7. Why should I not be open 24-7? Why should I not be doing stuff 24-7? Everything on your calendar is good stuff that should be there. Should be there. You know? And then I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, you know, my mom, I gotta take care of my mom, and then I gotta do this with my kids, and then I gotta do this with my, you know, with my spouse, and then I have to do this, and then I have to do should, 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 should. Our, our whole day is should, 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 should. And by the end of the day, we've realized that we should all over ourselves. <laughs> should, 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 should. Because you didn't do all the shoulds. So you lay in bed at the end of the day and, you're, and now you're thinking, oh man, I should have. I should have, I should have, I should have. I should have done this, I should have done that, I should have done this, I should have done that. Should, should, should. You know, this is why they make depends for adults. <laughs> this is why. Busy, 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 busy. I'm sure that if I sat here and I talked to you, you could justify every reason why you should do all those things. And that's awesome. My question would be, how much of a help are you actually to all those people you're talking to and all that stuff you're doing? And, even your kids, how much of a help are you to your kids if you have not heard from God? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not a help to my kids. If I, if I go into parent mode and I haven't talked to God, I am not a help to my kids. I'm like yelling at them, get your shoes on. And, and Scout's, like, Scout's like, this way? And I'm like, those are the wrong feet. And I'm like talking to her like she's my client. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Like, she's my client. That's, she's got to do the things that I tell you the way I tell And I'm not a parent anymore. I'm just yelling orders at her. Why? Because I'm all been out of shape. And I'm we got to go. We got to go. Come on, come on, come on. We but if I've spent time with God, you know, we still got to go. But, but my patience is different. My heart is different. My attitude is different. Right? Half of the things on your to-do list you would not do if you first talked to God. Half of the things on your to-do list, and let me say this too, half of the things on your to-do list are someone else asking you to be God for them. Let's just be honest. And if, <laughs> and if you said, hey, that's awesome, you need to hear from God. Do you see what I'm saying? We try to be God for other people and we try to make them be God for us. If I spent time with God and I discerned, hey, this person's pulling on me as if I'm God in their life and I'm not. So I'm not gonna be unkind or unloving, but I'm just gonna be like, hey, actually what you're trying to get from me right now, you need to get from God. Do you see what I'm saying? Busy, 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 should, should, should. We gotta stop that. Okay, here's some practical stuff. I'm gonna go through these really quick, okay? Practical steps to hearing God. Number one, set a time and place. It's never gonna happen if you don't set a time and place. Here's the thing too. Someone else needs to meet with you at seven o'clock, but you were scheduled to meet with God at seven o'clock. I'm sorry, I have another appointment. Did you hear me? If you ever text me 
And you're like, can we meet at this time? And I'm like, sorry, I'm full, I'm full at that time. You have no clue if I'm meeting at, with a person or if I'm meeting with God. I will not violate my meeting with God, though. I won't. Because if I do, I am of no use to you. But Kyle, I'm in a crisis. I am in an emergency. I know. I love you. I care about you. You have a direct hotline to God. So you know how like when you call the doctor and they're like, if this is an emergency, please hang up and dial 911. If you call a pastor and you say, but I'm having an emergency in my life. If this is an emergency, please hang up and talk to God. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm there for you in the morning. When, when the store opens up and the clinic is open, I'm there for you. Our pastors are there for you. But I cannot do for you what God can do for you. When you meet with me, you know what I'm going to tell you to do? I'm going to say, take your vitamins and exercise and eat right. What am I going to tell you to do when you meet with me? Everything in my life has fallen apart. Okay, cool. When was the last time you spent time with God? I'm just going to encourage you to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Does it mean that I don't want to meet? That it doesn't mean I love meeting with people. I love it. My point is, God first. Okay, set a time and a place. Second, praise and worship. Always start with praise and worship. You will find that you're walking into God with this big, giant box full of problems, and as soon as you lift your hands to worship, those fall off. And the thing that you really need wisdom for is really not that big. It's really not that big of a deal. So start with praise and worship. Number three, give God your burdens. I was listening to a pastor this week who said he was talking to this woman and he said, you need to give God your burdens. And she said, oh, pastor, I've done that a hundred times. I just keep giving it to him. And the pastor looked at her and said, well, how do you keep getting a hold of it? If you keep giving it to God, how do you keep ending up with it? Because here's how we give stuff to God. God, I have this bill that needs to be paid and I just want to give this to you. And I have a couple of ideas. What you could do is like, I'm about, I have a birthday coming up. My grandma's very generous. Maybe you could have her give me an extra grand, okay, for this thing. And you start coaching God on how to solve your problem. So really, you're not holding, you're not handing the burden over. You're still holding the burden and acting like God is the child that needs to serve or see, or see what I'm saying? He's the genie in the bottle. I need you to solve this problem for me, and I need it done by five o'clock. Okay, if you really give it to him, you're not holding it anymore, okay? You're not gonna hear from God if you're, if, you're, if you're not releasing your burdens, okay? Ask God for forgiveness and forgive others. What do I mean by this? You need to ask God for forgiveness. Hey, this is what I've done wrong, and I wanna ask you for forgiveness, why? Because you will think you are unworthy to hear from God. And as soon as you ask for forgiveness and you realize that you're forgiven, it's like, oh wait, the same grace that forgave me while I was still a sinner is gonna talk to me while, while I'm still imperfect, right? And you gotta forgive others. You're not gonna hear from God while you're bitter, angry, grumpy. My kids come to talk to me and if they're fighting, I'm like, no, 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 no. You guys go work this out and then I'll talk to you. No, but he, but she, but she did this and she did this. I don't care. You guys fix this, forgive each other, hug each other, right? Let it go, and then we'll talk. It's not that I'm withholding things. It's that that is a thing. What I'm telling you to do right now is go forgive, right? 
Okay, and then ask God to speak to you and lead you. Listen and trust that he's gonna speak to you. James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And then he says this, but let him ask in faith. If you ask God to speak to you and you don't ask in faith, the Bible says you're like a double-minded man, unstable in all your ways. In other words, you're asking God to speak to you, but you're unstable because you're not actually listening to follow. You're, you're running another way. Okay, this is literally the Lord's Prayer. Okay, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, is praise and worship. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then give us this day our daily bread as you handing him the burden. Okay, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass others against us. We ask for forgiveness and we forgive. And lead us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. In other words, God, lead me to green pastures. Don't lead me to evil. Lead me and guide me and speak to me. In the original language, the prayer ended right there. Jesus ended right there. Manuscripts later added, for thine is the kingdom and the power, and they added all that after. There was no end to this prayer. Why is that important? Because when Jesus taught us how to pray, he essentially said, go, here's your steps and lead us, and when you're done with that, the prayer's not over. That was the beginning to start your, communi- your communion with God. And now the rest of my day, as I walk, I'm walking by the Spirit of God. It's not, God lead me in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, cool, I got it from here, God. It's, and lead me, and now as I walk, I'm still in that state of prayer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right, I'm gonna talk to you briefly about knowing God's voice, discerning God's voice. There's five things here. Number one is scripture. The Holy Spirit wrote the book. The same Holy Spirit that's talking to you is not going to say something different than the guy who wrote the book. It's the same Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not gonna tell you to do something that goes against what the Holy Spirit already said in the, in the Bible. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so if you don't know scripture, you're not gonna be able to determine is this God's voice or not? I have good news for those of you who haven't developed that quite yet, but what I wanna tell everyone is develop that scripture in your life. Uh, there's people in my life who when I start quoting a scripture, they can quote like, like I, I think about Pastor Lenny all the time and I'm like, I'll go to him and I'll be like, you know, there's that verse that says boom, boom, boom. And he's like, yeah, actually it says this. And he'll like tell me one word I said wrong. And then he'll be like, so that, blah, 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 blah. And then he'll like do the rest of the verse and then he'll be like, yeah, that's Second Corinthians, blah, blah, blah. And, it, and here's what it was. And I'm like, this is why you're on staff. <laughs> this is why you work here. Because scripture is how we discern, is this actually God or not? Whatever God says to you is gonna rhyme with scripture. If it doesn't, it's not God speaking, okay? Here's the second one, Jesus, the nature of Jesus. Hebrews says this. It says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. In other words, God spoke through scripture, but he's revealed all of it in the person of Jesus, If what I am hearing does not look like, sound like, walk like, talk like Jesus, 
It's not God speaking to me. Okay, here's the third one. Your pastors or your parents. Your pastors or your parents. They are not God's voice in your life. They are not God's voice in your life. But here's what they are there for. When you come to them and you say, I feel like God's telling me this. Your pastors or your parents, those leaders who are tasked with caring for you are gonna be able to look back at you and say, I don't think that's God. Or they're gonna be able to look at you and say, man, that is exactly right. You should, you should do that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? People, uh, I see this a lot with, with teenagers who are trying to figure out where to go to college. They're like, where should I go to college? Where should I go to college? And they're like, oh, I think I should go here. Their parents, man, if they have, if they have good parents in their life, I mean, their parents so often are like, man, that would not be a good thing for, for that. That would not be a good thing for my kid. That school would do this, this, this. They are trusted with your care. So they're gonna help you discern if, if you're just being emotional or if God speak, are you hearing what I'm saying? Your pastors and your parents. I remember I went to Bible school in Louisiana um, right after high school. And then there was another school I wanted to go to and I called my mom and I said, mom, I really wanna go to this school. And she said, no. She said, that's, Kyle, that's not God. You got swept up in the emotion of a service and you thought that you were supposed to go to that school. You're not supposed to go to that school. I didn't go to that school and I found out later that that school was psycho. Um, but what it was, was my mom, who was charged with guarding and guiding, was like, no, Kyle, that's emotion. That's not the Holy Spirit. A pastor or a parent is going to be able to say to you, hey, that sounds really good, but actually, I think that's your emotion. I don't think that's the Holy Spirit. Okay? Knowing God's voice. Here's the fourth one. Your peers. Now, I want to bring a really big caution here. In the book of Job... His peers came and talked to him, and they were all wrong. You do not listen to your peers as if they are the voice of God, okay? But your peers can help you discern if you've heard from God or not. They are not the voice of God, but they can help you discern. I'll give you a for instance, okay? You go to one of your friends and you say, man, I really feel like God's telling me this. And your friend's like, dude, this happens every Tuesday, Every Tuesday, you go on some crazy thing. Dude, I don't think this is God. What do you eat for breakfast on Tuesdays? And then he's like, I don't know. I just ordered these things called shrooms, and I'm just eating them. on." And then he's like, stop it. Your peers are going to help you to realize patterns and see things that you don't know about yourself. They're gonna help you discern when is it the voice of God and when is it just me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? And here's the last one, peace, peace. If you don't have peace about a decision you're about to make, if you don't have peace, now I'm not saying that God won't say something to you that isn't scary. There's tons of times where I felt like God said something and I'm like, oh my gosh. But there's a peace in it still. And when there's a peace there, you, you can sense Man, there's peace about this decision. Makes me think that maybe God's peace is in that direction. Peace. Here's, here's the thing I'm gonna end with here today is following God's voice. Hearing God's voice, knowing God's voice, and following God's voice. Following God's voice. Um, I'm gonna give you one scripture. It says this, one scripture. It says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and 
obey it. The book of James says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And otherwise, in other words, if God speaks to you and you don't follow, it's great that you heard from God, but you've got to step out in faith and go where he's leading you to go. Now, I want to encourage somebody who's like, man, you pastors, you guys hear from God. And we, no, let me tell you, I've never, ever heard an audible voice of God. I've never been in a service or, a, or whatever where I heard, like literally heard God's voice. It's, you know what it is? It's, I, I, can, I can sense that God's leading me somewhere. I can sense that God's, hey, this thing, I want you to go this way. A lot of times in my prayer time, I'll spend an hour talking to God. And then all of a sudden, God will just put his finger on something. I'm like, oh, that's it right there. Do you hear what I'm saying? God is, God's voice is so good and it's so awesome, but a lot of times it's so simple. I've never talked to God and gotten a big like dissertation of a PhD, like God just downloaded all this. He gives revelation, but even that revelation is always so simple. There's a clear next step. There's a clear leading. So how do I make sure that I'm going from where I am to green pastures? Follow the voice. Stick with the voice. Stay where he is. If you stay where the Holy Spirit is, if you stay where the good shepherd is, you'll always be led to green pastures. But Kyle, right now I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a valley. Keep following the voice. Keep following the voice of God. Keep following scripture. Keep obeying what God has said in scripture and obeying what God is saying to you today. Be faithful. My people, my sheep, hear my voice. They know my voice and they follow. I'm gonna pray a prayer over you right now. Bow your head and close your eyes. God, right now, we thank you that we do hear your voice, that we do know your voice and that we follow your voice. For everyone here today who feels like they can't hear your voice, I pray that you would reveal to them the thing that's clogging their ears, whatever it is that, that, that's sucking their time or their energy or whatever. And God, call us into a relationship where we're, where we're quiet, where we listen, where we hear you. I need you to speak, God. I need you to speak to me. I need you to speak to our church. I need you to lead us. I need you to guide us. I need our church to be led by the Holy Spirit. We're gonna obey scripture faithfully, but God, we need to know What are you calling us to right now? Where are you leading us? So God, help us to hear, know, and obey your voice. In the name of Jesus, come on, everyone said amen.